This is Ed Cohen, your broadcast host today on Global Radio Talk Show, coming to you today from the UK, from San Diego, California, where I am, and Las Vegas, where our technical studio is located. Our special guest today is UK-based Helen Watts. She's a life coach who works with people in transition, mainly repatriates who are trying to navigate their ways safely through re-entry and reverse culture shock. Let's say hello. Helen Watts, welcome. Hi, Ed. Hi. Thank you for being there this evening in the UK. It's almost 1 p.m. here in California. Crazy time zones. Yeah, yeah. No, we're at 8 o'clock and full of trick-and-treaters coming for Halloween here at the moment. Uh-oh. So if you have to answer the doorbell... Um, no, no. The others can sort that out. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Okay. So, Helen Watts, your book has recently been published. Tell us about the name of the book and what it's about briefly. Yeah, so it's called Arriving Well, Arriving Well, Stories of Identity, Belonging and Rediscovering Home After Living Abroad. Nice, short, snappy title. Um, I like it. it I like of, it. It kind of sums up what it is, which is a, a series of five different stories of people who've lived overseas and have gone back to their home country. And it's it's how they've adjusted, really, how they've made it back in their home country in some cases, they've gone back overseas after that. But it's really all about how do you adapt? How do you adjust when you go back to your home country after living in a different country for a while? Because so many people have issues with it. Um, so the book is just trying to put it out there and on the table and going, guys, this is a problem. Lots of people struggle with this. What are some of the ways that you can make that easier for yourself? I want to jump in and ask you, do the corporate senior corporate managers understand the problem? and of course the opportunity, but do they understand the dimension of the problem? Because many of them have never been on, a, on, on an international assignment. Isn't that correct? Yeah, no, I think that is correct. Um, in my experience, no, they don't understand the problem. It's taken a long time to get orientation, cultural orientation and that sort of thing on the table. And that's become much more normal in preparing people to go overseas in the first place. But this whole coming back I think there's still this assumption that people are going home and therefore what's the problem? Let's just move them, relocate them. But there's no thought that actually these people need some emotional support as well in order to help them in that transition back. I totally agree with the need to be prepared to do something and to know what the whole process is. It's sort of like a life cycle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Through different things as you go overseas and then you go through very similar things actually coming back. Um, in terms of a kind of transition curve, if you like, of having a honeymoon and then going down into a deeper place and then coming back up and adjusting. It's, it's very similar to going overseas in the first place. Now, you have the experience. You have been on international assignments, what, three times? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. I went to Germany as a student for just one year and didn't even think that it might be an issue coming back, but I'd so integrated myself into my life as a student in Germany that it actually took me the best part of a year on coming back to reintegrate into UK life and to feel a bit more normal again in the UK. We then spent two periods of time as a married couple and then as a married couple with kids in Kyrgyzstan in Central Asia and each time coming back from there brought different challenges with it. Obviously as a couple it's different and with with children as well it's, it's different again. So were you always into literature, into writing? and books or did you find yourself 
betwixt and between and trying to sort things out and your your writing of the book, the research and the analysis and the writing things down and then finally getting this thing published. Is that sort of a cathartic thing for you? It's an interesting one, actually. The, the book is mainly other people's stories. Um, so the the, edit, the other editors and I have really just drawn those together and put some kind of hints and tips all the way through to help the reader to, to work out their own reflections on, on what they're reading. I've always read a lot, but I've never really written very much of my own stuff, apart from the last few years when I've been doing re-entry coaching. Um, and I've written a lot of stuff for webinars or seminars that I've given on the subject so that people can understand. And people have always commented that it's really helpful what I'm producing. So maybe, maybe I ought to write some more. I don't know. Well, I think the three life cycle elements that you, you mentioned, you being a, a, a younger person, a student, and then relatively new marriage, yeah. and then married with kids, whoa, those are mountains, each one. Yeah, they're all very different. I mean, going overseas as a single and coming back and, and dealing with that as a single person is very, very different to coming back as a couple is very, very different, again, to coming back with, with children. I want to zip into something here about the kids. So from your view, did the kids adjust better than you? Ah, that's an interesting question. I think just differently. It was very interesting watching their transition in the very early stages. It was fascinating seeing what we needed to teach them that they just didn't know about what they had to do in English culture. You know, queuing is a big thing in English culture. You have to learn to queue as a Brit. Um, we had to teach them that because they were used to using their elbows or they didn't get a go on something. So having those kind of conversations with them when we came back to help them to adjust how they could work in, in English society was, was quite interesting. But then after a while, we noticed that actually their academic learning really improved after about 18 months. And we hadn't really noticed that they were struggling. But obviously, that first 18 months was full for them of social adjustment and trying to work out who they were and how that fitted with the rest of their classmates and that sort of thing. And they finally got to a place after about 18 months where they actually felt settled and, and more themselves and therefore their academic achievement could settle into what it should have been, if you like. So they yeah. did in some ways adjust better than us. And in other ways, they probably took longer. We probably took about 18 months to two years of not feeling very normal to starting to feel more settled as well. So how old are the kids right now, today? So today they're 12 and 15. So uh, when they were on the assignment, were they in what, fifth grade, sixth grade? No, they were, they were quite little when we came back. Um, so they were five and, five and seven when we came back. So um, my daughter had just completed her first two years of English school, which I think is well, it's when you're four to five and when you're five to six. I don't know how that compares to the American system. Yeah, you went to the middle of Asia, Kyrgyzstan or something like that. I'm probably yeah, mispronouncing. Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, Kyrgyzstan right. in Central Asia, yeah. Right. So what was that about? Was that oil and gas, engineering? No, so that was development. So we went with a, a mission organization whose focus was really on being a help to people in whatever way that was possible. So my husband was using his veterinary skills I was using my engineering skills as I started out life as a as an engineer. So putting up a wind turbine in a collective farm where they had no electricity. My husband was involved in various different veterinary projects. I also taught parenting courses. We worked on some children's education, children's literacy projects, a number of different things. We had our fingers in lots of different pies. So basically, you turn your engineering skills into organizing, thinking, and sorting out things that you need to get done. 
Yeah, in some ways you could say that. Yeah, I think it also gave us gave me skills to learn language as well because engineering is all about identifying patterns and using those patterns. And actually, for learning a language, that's exactly what you need. Well, let's go a little bit deeper into the book. So the book is called Arriving Well. Arriving Well, and that means coming back in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, arriving rather, back in your passport country. Right. Rather not. Rather not about going out on assignment. It's about no, re-entry. Right. Okay, yeah. so let's let's think about re-entry. When should the process of re-entry really begin, in best case scenario? Yeah, it's an interesting one because in many ways, I think as you're planning to go out somewhere, then it ought to be with the end in mind. And often I think people people don't know when they're going to come back, but there ought to be a degree of training when they're going out to warn them about what's coming when they come back. I think if you start planning for re-entry as you go out, then there's more possibility, especially with a, in a corporate setting, for knowing what you're going out to and what you're then coming back to. Because there's often a big discrepancy. People come back with certain expectations that they'll be back in a, a job which will give them more responsibility or be using all these transferable skills that they've learned while they've been abroad. And the reality just doesn't meet the expectation which is why there seems to be a lot of fallout of people who have been overseas when they come back again. If that's not the case, then really in the, if possible, in the six to 12 months leading up to the end of the assignment, part of a good re-entry is about finishing well. So we've got all these kind of arriving well, finishing well. Bringing really good closure to your time overseas means that there are less regrets and things that you feel are unfinished when you go back to your home culture. So making sure that you've said farewell to the different things and people and places that you wanted to say goodbye to, making sure that you're reconciled with anybody that you've had differences with while you've been on the field. Finishing well is really key to a good re-entry. I'm sure that's an issue that some people don't talk about but or, or do talk about, <laughs> but huh. it's probably split down the middle. Okay, so let's, let's, let's talk about some specifics here about books to or things to do is it like i mean do you have to be a joiner you know you have to be an extrovert an alpha personality uh can you if if you're more or less introverted can you remain an introvert and still have a successful process or or do you need to be out there and talk to people all the time no you have to do it in a way that's going to work for you yeah, you're not expected to step outside of your personality in order to be able to re-enter well. There's so many different resources and um, ways of support out there. For some people, absolutely going to a group debrief or a group session is going to be what they need and talking with lots of other people who've come back at the same time or from different places in different ways. That's absolutely some people's cup of tea. Sorry, that's a very English phrase. Then for other people, reading a book or doing an online course or something like that, which will give them the information they need without necessarily going out. That being said, I do think a big part of the re-entry process is connecting with, A, with people who've been through it as well, which kind of normalises the process for people and they realise that they're not the only ones who are going through it. But B, reconnecting with friends and family can be a real big issue for some people One of the surveys I did a few years ago showed that connecting with family and friends was the biggest joy for some people, but also the biggest curse, if you like, the biggest bugbear that people had, that they found it really difficult because they'd changed so much. So getting out there and making new relationships, but also making relationships with the people 
that you're surrounded by and have to be surrounded by is is a big thing and it, it needs to happen because otherwise we can become very isolated and lonely in our reentry. Let's jump aside for a, a minute and just acknowledge and talk about the life-changing experience of an international posting. Mm. So many younger people today in the workforce are just striving, raising their hand, pushing for an international assignment. Mm. Uh, and it's a major push. So many young people want to do that, and they're looking for that, and they want their employer to give it to them. So yeah. this is like a wave, if you will, of so many younger people wanting to go out on assignment from America out there in the world. So I am assuming it's like that in in UK and, yeah, and other so. places. Yeah. So how can people who are not particularly self-expressive reflect on how they have changed and what they have learned some people just find it just really confusing and don't bother me. You know, they just want to go on to the next day. Yeah, yeah. No, some people are naturally more reflective than others, and that, that's always going to be, be the case. And some people just kind of ride the wave and, and hope they're going to get through. Um, some of those people kind of crash later on and have to find help. I, I would always advocate finding help sooner rather than later, even if it's just in the form of somebody else who's been there before that you can talk it through with. So I want to move on and talk about adjusting, settling, dealing with culture shock. But it's really, yeah, but what, I mean, those are fancy words. So what what does that mean, dealing with culture shock? It means just how things happen, right? Or how people act and what's normal, right? In some ways, yeah. If you think about when you go overseas in the first place, or you might even think about changing from one state to another in the States, there's a there's a different predominant culture, different pre- predominant worldview way of interacting with the world that you have to get used to. And I think when you go overseas, when you go somewhere different, you expect that to be the case. And therefore, you make all these adjustments to the way that you live in order to fit in to whatever degree you want to fit in with that new culture. When you come home, because you've made all those adjustments, you're no longer who you were when you went Um, And therefore, you're going to have to readjust or adjust anew if you've gone back to a different state or somewhere very different to yet another culture. So it's in many ways, I I tell people a lot to treat it as if it's another expatriate placement, because you've got to get to know another culture again and learn how to function again within that culture. Sometimes because you're seeing it as going home, you can be lulled into this sense of I should know this. And actually, you don't anymore. So what we're talking about is how yeah. you relate, related or communicated with things and with other people or with situations before you went away. And then as a result of getting knocked about, perhaps, and finding a new way and adjusting your thinking the first time when you get set back or criticized by the, the new culture, and then you react and then you develop an understanding and then you become fit, fit in. And now you go back home, quote unquote home, and then you see people doing things the old way. And so that is a definition of like, whoa, different planet. Looks the same, but different place. Yeah, it's all because of the way that you've changed. I've heard so many people kind of talk about it as if, well, I, I look like a Brit and everybody looks at me and assumes that I'm a Brit. But inside, I feel a bit like a kind of little green alien who doesn't actually 
know what's expected on me in a certain situation or how to do something and people look at you like you're really stupid because you don't know how to use a chip and pin machine or something which has come in while you've been away and it can be those little things but it can be bigger things like I mean if you wanted to kind of break it into categories think of all the possible ways that somebody can change while they're overseas they can change physically they can change mentally they can change emotionally they can change spiritually and in their belief system and their worldview and their politics a lot of Americans that I've talk to find it really really tough going back to America because they've had their eyes open to a whole different set of news that they don't get in the US and I don't know whether that's kind of state dependent or whatever I'm I realize I'm generalizing massively here but they often have been exposed to news from so many different places and they go back to the states and they're really really shocked how narrow a view they're being presented with again so in your point number 4 about finishing well the next to last sentence say goodbye properly to people, pets, place, and things. I know that's an English saying, properly. What does properly mean? (laughs) In a way that works for you. I think that's basically what it's it's talking about. I mean, properly for different people is different things. I didn't realize that was quite so English. That's quite funny. I'm from from California. so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to me, it would mean making a list of the places that I definitely wanted to visit again before I went the people that I needed to thank or just see or say goodbye to, the the people that the children needed to see and make sure that they'd said goodbye to properly, the pets that you've had that you've passed on to somebody else or whatever it is. It's, it's just being intentional with it, I think, is what I'm getting at, that you're not kind of skipping over somebody and then leaving the country and going, oh, no, I didn't see that person before I left and I feel like there's a hole. So it's being complete about it. I guess that's what it is. So being able to organize one's thinking, uh, not, not everybody has engineering training or is so inclined. <laughs> so, uh, you know, working out in number five, working out how to tell your story, that, that's about, hmm. <laughs> so you know the old story about when, when we took photographs, we came back with a slideshow and yeah. we had a dinner party and you put them up and you were so excited about sharing and after like the first 10 or so, people <laughs> went for, got up for a drink, right? And, yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> so working out how to tell your story, <laughs> that's a big deal, really. It's a really big deal because people, yeah, people can be quite threatened by our stories, um, especially if they've not traveled themselves. They're just kind of like, oh, that person that went to that fun place and they had a whole day all the time. And I mean, they've got a completely wrong view mostly of what it is that we've been doing out there but they can be quite threatened by it which means it's it's really important as we try and share what we're doing that we connect with their world because they can't come into our world because they haven't experienced it so for us it's about finding those connections with children and things that children do or funny things that you've encountered at a shop or something like that that actually makes a a connection um, with them in a way that life in a bizarre country somewhere over there which might have been India but might have been Bangladesh because I can't quite remember the name it just doesn't so yeah learning to share your story in a way that connects with other people and also not being too precious with it so that if after a couple of sentences you feel that you're losing somebody then you're willing to just go okay I'm going to ask that person a question about their life instead yeah there you go that that's a that's a good a good way of looking at it all right, so your number six is get your packing done early. What does that mean? Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one. Not everybody has this, that luxury. My recommendation 
would be if you can get your packing done early, then you're not scrabbling around at the last minute when people are asking you to go to this party or that party to say goodbye to you and everything else. And you're trying to see the people and places that you want to see. Then you haven't got the whole packing thing on your mind before we left. About two or three weeks before we left, we made sure we'd packed up the boxes that we were going to ship and we shipped them. So for the last two or three weeks, we lived out of just a couple of suitcases, which was all we needed. Yes, it would have been nice to have a few more things, but actually the whole weight of the shipping thing was off our minds and we could concentrate on just being where we were and enjoying where we were and saying those goodbyes. And it meant that some of that stress of leaving and doing things last minute was taken away. That's why I put that one there, because I just feel it's really important to be very present in the last little while and not just be taken up with your head all a whirl with with the packing and and all that side of things. Yeah. And uh, so let me ask you, did did you um, stress over packing all the stuff or did you wind up just leaving things behind, giving them away? Uh, We did give an awful lot away. Yeah, we, we did ours in two stages. We lived out in the sticks about six hours drive away from the capital city. So we had a kind of finishing up and farewell there. And then we had a last month in the capital, which which is something else actually that I advocate is moving out of your house a little while before you move. Again, if that's practical, because it means that you've, you've done your packing, you've shifted, you've said goodbye to whatever it is. And, and then just being able to have a bit of a time in a halfway house or somewhere slightly different before you leave. But yeah, no, we were we gave away a lot of stuff. And that, that can be quite tricky because you've got local people and you've got other expats who are all eyeing up your stuff and it can become quite like oh they're just seeing you with a dollar on your forehead and just for what money they can get out of you at this stage so trying to treat that with grace and with care is quite tricky but yeah so we moved a whole load of stuff back up to the capital but we'd already got rid of furniture and all those sort of things by then so in the capital we then rented somewhere for a month and again, passed on a few more things, but we'd got rid of most things that we needed to by then. So it was just a matter of packing the boxes and making sure we could fit that in before the last little while. So number 10 is be patient. Say something about that. Yeah, I think people write on, on my Facebook group or things like that. I've been back two or three months and I'm just not feeling all over the place and all over the place. Surely I should be more settled by now. And my answer is always no. <laughs> I mean, two or three months in is kind of the start of reverse culture shock and and the unsettledness, because that's when you're really going, oh, my word, I really am staying here. This this is it for good or for now anyway. So being patient, giving yourself time, realizing that it is exhausting and it is going to take months, if not a year and I tend to say 18 months to start feeling more normal. I know that was our experience, but it's what I've heard from an awful lot of other people as well, that just giving yourself the time to adjust is really, really important. It's a process. That's it. I really have enjoyed this brief encounter with you and to get this insight. Your point number 12 is, is really a nice way to end this chapter here. Take the opportunity to dream. Mm. Okay, so this ties in with what you just said, dreaming about what comes next, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. I I so believe that reentry is a real opportunity. I think there's so few times in life when we actually have time to stop. And I think the reentry, because it's such a changing point in what we're doing, it gives us that opportunity to go, okay, so if I was to redesign everything, what would that look like now? And what could that look like? In the missions world, it's 
it's slightly different because often people come back and they have two or three months before they actually need to be in a job because their mission continues to support them through that time. So in many ways, they have that kind of ideal situation where they can go, okay, I can relax a little bit before needing to find something. Whereas obviously people in corporate, in the corporate world or whatever, basically come back and go straight into something. But even so, I think taking the opportunity to really just reevaluate and go, am I just coming back and doing this because that's what I've always done? Or would I like to change it altogether? And seeing the re-entry time as, as temporary rather than permanent gives you the opportunity to go, okay, well, I'll do this for the time, but actually at the same time, I'm going to reevaluate and reflect and decide whether this is what I want for the next five, 10 years, or whether I want to do something totally different. So it's an amazing opportunity to redesign ourselves and, and come up with something different or come up with the same thing, but from a different place. So as a life coach, you began on a mission. This is a religious organization, is that correct? I came out of a religious organization. I work with anybody of any faith or, or whatever anymore. So yeah, faith for me doesn't, if somebody's working with their faith, then that's fine. And if they're not, that's absolutely fine to me as well. I think it's great because what we're dealing here with is mental health, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So mental health and employee well-being or employee and family well-being, this is really taken a long time, but now it's really front and center in the business world, isn't it? It is. It's becoming more and more key, which is, yeah, about time as far as I'm concerned. I think it's just so important that people are taken seriously and not just the people who are going overseas for these placements, but for their spouses, for their children, that they all need that sort of support. And it's not just in the month or two after they come back, but it could be a year or two years that they need to have that awareness that people might struggle and that it shouldn't just be a firefighting oh this person is depressed nine months down the line it should be providing that support up front so people don't get to that stage where they're really struggling i don't want to enter into a new realm here of discussion because we're running out of time without the religious aspect although it's certainly part of it self-confidence sense of confidence in situations that people feel mm. not confident or, or feel confused or worried and scared and finding a mental pathway towards yeah. working something out. I mean, it, it takes a belief. Now, certainly a higher power could be helpful, but you know, a belief in oneself on how to be calm. Yeah, no, you're hitting on something really important. And a lot of what I do as a re-entry coach is around identity and finding that confidence again in in my clients, yeah, their own abilities and what they bring and what they bring to the world for the for the next stage and what who they are now as opposed to who they were when they were overseas and what that looks like and how that changes. Yeah, it's a really, really important part of, of coaching because people are grappling with the basis of what well, who am I and what, what do I have to offer now and what does that look like? And if I'm not an expat anymore, then what am I? That people's identity becomes very much tied up with what they what they're doing. Um, I think that's that's the same whether you're overseas or not, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yes, just grappling with who am I and that whole transformation of who do I want to be? How do I find that confidence? Whether people have a, a concept of a higher power or not, it's part of it is self-care, actually, and being willing to invest in themselves or to be kind to themselves through that turbulent period. So Helen Watts, W-A-T-T-S, you're yep. on LinkedIn, of course. 
And yeah. the name of the book again is? Arriving Well. Arriving Well, Stories of Identity, Belonging and Rediscovering Home After Living Abroad. Thank you for being my guest VIP interview on Global Radio Talk Show. I've thoroughly Pleasure. enjoyed it and learned a lot. Yeah, no, well, thank you for talking to me. It was great. What's your website? So it is www.what's, as in my surname, whatsyourpathway.co.uk. Thank you. This is Ed Cohen signing off from San Diego. Thank you for listening to Global Radio Talk Show, a broadcast service of globalbusinessnews.net. I think to myself, what a wonderful day.